0: How are we? I'm oh, good. I'm good. Um, turn it up. I can't turn it up. That's that's the technical guy up the back. The main man, Mike, up the back. Cool. Um, just on the back of the announcements also, um, Richard from the Gate Church will be ministering um, with us next Sunday, so that's going to be exciting, so yeah come al- yeah come along it'll be nice um bring your voices bring your bring the holy Spirit with you don't leave it in your car um that was a joke by the way, just so you know um cool, so as you can probably tell, I drew the short straw so let's let's get it in let's have some fun eh. So, I'm going to pray and then we'll start it off properly. So, Father, I thank you that you're here already. Um, I thank you for this message that you've given me. Thank you for that. And, um, Father, I just pray we have a lot of fun just exploring your word, exploring who you are as a person, and just being together um, in your presence. And most importantly, Lord, help me articulate well what you want me to say. while having fun. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Cool. So, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but for the last, it's, it's been a while, but it, fe- it, it appears, well, I think it, we have been facing as a church a lot of giants um, and many individuals have been facing giants at the hand-in-hand, hand. and at times it feels like darkness is winning or darkness is overwhelming, um, which is not true, but it sometimes can feel like that. Um, so today I'm going to share on three keys. I've never shared three keys before, so there <laughs> we go. Um, three keys on facing giants. Um, So I'm going to talk out of the book of Samuel, so 1 Samuel chapter 17. So you can turn there. You've got 10 seconds. Just kidding. It's in the Old Testament, just if you are struggling to find it. You guys already know this chapter already. It's David and Goliath. I know. Okay, so I'm not going to read the whole thing because it will be here till next Father's Day. Um, so I'm going to break it down a little bit. I will read some of the scripture because it helps me with the context. So I'll start off like this I feel like today I've been charged to sling a few stones. Um so if it's okay, I 'm going to try and have a crack and see what Jesus does because I really believe that he wants to take people to a higher perspective on how to live in victory every day. Um, so, first Samuel chapter one, pretty much what happens is the Philistines and the, the Philistines and the Israelites are. Have come, have drawn the battle lines, one one the Israelites on one side of the hill, Philistines on the other side of the hill. And as you know, Goliath comes out every day yelling, taunting, all sorts of stuff towards the Israelites. And a couple things here, which is very interesting, is the Israelite army was known as the army of God. Right? The army of God. That God was with them. But they were towering in fear, right? Even King Saul was fearful. He had no, he had no idea what to do. There was no plan. But here's the interesting thing: so for forty days, forty days, Goliath came out, yelled, and taunted. Jesus went into the desert for forty days, forty nights. The Israelites went into the desert for 40 years, a bit longer. Um, And I just thought it was interesting, the correlation between between all that. That's a freebie. You can have that one and go and study it yourself. Um, And then David comes along to the camp. He gets sent by his father. Go and hang out with your brothers, take them some food, see how they're going, make sure they're still alive, that sort of thing. And... When you read the entire book of Samuel and you discover the character of David, it appears David has like a frank relationship with Jesus. It's like, you know, like you're with your mates and you're just having fun and telling each other off, and you know, it's quite frank. Um But right from the beginning, David knew who God was. Right? He had experience, he had He had personal experience with the Father and that sort of thing. But right from the beginning, as David was beginning to see what was unfolding as the Philistines were doing their thing, um, I find it very interesting that his first thought, when he kind of was like, this is wrong, this can't happen, his first thought was, what's in it for me, if you read it? What's in it for me? Because he wanted to know what he was going to get. What was the prize for me for if someone kills this this person, Goliath? And sometimes I think also like, you know, like you look at that picture and like as humans, we can try and get holy out thou when it comes to like fighting something. But you look at David, he was like, nah, what's in it for me? Like I could go here. Hey guys, what's in it for me for leading worship this morning? I could, probably nothing, but um, but you could do it like that, right? But here's the thing: it's almost like David was stacking up his bets before he chose to do what he wanted to do. And when he makes that choice, he goes, "Okay," he finds out what's the prize. You know, the prizes, you're gonna, not going to pay taxes, you're going to get a wife and all sorts of things. And immediately he gets attacked. Immediately. His brothers, not by, not by the other soldiers or anything like that, by his brother. His brother comes and says to his brother, attacks his character. Let me just go this way. Yeah, he attacks his character. And he's faced with a choice to either be offended and leave the situation. But what does he try and do? He looks for somebody else to put forth his cause, to find someone who will listen to him. And straight away, as... David is talking, somebody hears what he's saying. Another soldier, somebody who is fearful. Because what happens is when you bring light into a situation, if all of us were fearful of dying and somebody comes in and says, I know a way out, all our ears are going to prick up. We're all going to go, freak. What does this guy have to say? Like, I don't want to die, so let's listen. So this guy goes, so... Uh Saul calls Saul calls David and this is what David says. Uh but David said to Saul, Your servant has been Oh, nope, sorry, that's wrong. Um My notes are mixed up. Sorry. Yeah. All right. Cool. Yeah. So David David's conversing with with um, with everything that he has done. All right. So he, he talks to the, he talks to the king, and the king says, "How can you do this? How can you? You can't kill. You can't kill Goliath." And the interesting thing is. Is that David leans on his testimony. David leans on his experience. David leans on what he's done. So So the word of our testimony all right? So the first key, really, sorry, is becoming obsessed with testimony. Um, our testimony has to be something we learn to do. So it's not how you got saved, it's not how, that's not just your testimony. So your testimony could be how God looked after you. Your testimony could be you got air in your lungs. Your testimony could be you've got a family who doesn't experience hardship. Your testimony can be anything really. But here's the thing I find is as a society, we tend to look for the next thing. Like, we don't hold on to what God's done for us in the past. We kind of go from the next thing to the next thing to the next thing, right? Instead of celebrating, it's like almost building a fire with our testimony. So we fan, like, so God will do something for us, like we experience, let's say, some sort of blessing. And instead of forgetting about that, when the next blessing happens, we add it to that and we flame that fire, right? So what's happening is we're creating, we're no longer focusing on what could happen, we're constantly focusing on what is happening, what has happened, right? So what happens is, is your focus then becomes, then shifts from uh, from mountains to how good God is. And, even when bad things happen, when struggles happen, yes, you face them, but you've got this fire burning within you of the goodness of God and the testimony of God, and that is how we walk through any sort of hardship, right? So, like, you look at David, and he's like, We've come to, there's Goliath, he's taunting the Philistines, and he goes, But David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. Right, When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I, I seized it by the hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord will be with you. You see, it's a lot easier to to tackle hardship or things that are, yeah, hardships or whatever, when you've got testimony. If you forget about them, then you're like swinging in the dark, looking for strength, like you're like flicking the pages of the Bible, trying to find some strength scriptures, because you're caught on the back foot. But the more t- the more we get into a habit of really building a library of testimony of what God is doing in our lives, the easier it gets, because we, become, we then become more God-focused and you look at David, you go, if you were King Saul, how can you argue with what he said? You can't argue with that because that testimony is his confidence. And you're not going to come before him like, oh, well, there's like a lamb, there was a bear, and I kind of did something with it. No, he killed it. He killed it with his bare hands, and that gave him confidence. And because that confidence was tied up in Jesus, he knew that. God's got my back. And things are dangerous, but who cares? David didn't care. Because his focus, his testimony fire was a lot brighter than what he was facing. Right? Friends, we as a as a church individually we we have to become better. ...at making testimony fires. Because... I over, like ...while you guys were chatting... ...I was overhearing... ...I overheard some conversations... ...and sometimes it just feels like... ...there's sickness everywhere. Right? But... ...and that's what we talk about. But often... ...like how many times... ...well, let's be honest with ourselves... ...how many times... ...have we actually sat down... hand had a conversation all the miracles Jesus has done over the years. But we continue to talk about the darkness. We continue to talk about what's wrong. But instead we should flip it. We should flip it and start talking about how good he is because what happens is you wonder why... Like, I've done it myself, you wonder why you start to ask questions. It's not about being naive and, and oh yeah, you just believe because you believe. No, but it's because you become schooled in the goodness of God. You become schooled in the goodness of God and then nothing else matters because that is your confidence. When we build fires of testimony, praise becomes a default. Praise becomes a default because there's nothing else. There is nothing else. When we dwell on how good God is, that is where we find strength. That is where you realize how good you actually do have it. Pardon me. But here's the thing just because we're believers, right? There's a whole lot of truth about who we are as people, what God has done for us. Just because we're believers doesn't make us automatically strong. You have to practice that. Can't turn up to a fight and then learn how to fight in a fight. You're going to get slaughtered. Same thing in the kingdom. God has given us every single tool, but if we don't practice how to use those tools, we're struggling. Right? Right? Ephesians 1 verse 3, Praise be to God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. We've got everything. But do we use everything? I certainly don't. Sometimes I get caught on the back foot looking at what's wrong and what should be happening and what isn't happening and how do I change it instead of just going, oh, cool, there's a lot of good happening. Why don't we just focus on that? It's very true that's what's happening. It's gone back to front. Hey, hey, thank you, Jesus. All right. This is making sense. Cool. All right. Um, it's very, it's, it's that easy, guys. Um, that easy. When we have discipline, when we practice the tools of God. Jesus spent years learning the word. He just didn't turn up and start doing like I, I, he probably could have, not denying that. But he spent time. He was like you and I, learned to trade. But he spent time in the synagogues. He spent time in the word, understanding. The Father. What the Father said about him. There was no ways on earth, I believe, this is just Lucian's opinion, that Jesus could have done what he had done without knowing who how the father thought about him. Like, because without that confidence, whew, going doing what Jesus did, it's hard. It's hard. We never stop learning. We never do. We never stop. You can never stop learning how good God is. There is always goodness to look for. There's always blessing to, to be had. But we have to position ourselves for it. We've got to actually open our eyes and look for it. Because if we're not, we miss things. Definitely, like God's pouring out, like he wants to pour out blessing after blessing after blessing after blessing. But if we keep focusing on, you know, Al-Qaeda, probably a wrong word to use, um, (laughs) we're never going to see it because we're focused on negative all the time. You know, you hear the phrase, oh, I think I'm jumping ahead. Yes, I am. We have to become good at building testimony fires. Become obsessed with your testimony because it edifies, it builds, it encourages, it brings hope to the where there is no hope. There's like, what, 20 people here we sat for an hour just sharing testimony. It would be awkward at first because no one would probably know what to share. But eventually we would get something out. And we would see how good God actually is in the week. What he does, how he looks after us. Um, so that's key number one. Build a, test, build a library of testimony. Become obsessed with it. Become obsessed with what God is doing. Become obsessed how God looks after you. Become obsessed with how God looks after other people. When you start looking for God, he's always there, don't get me wrong. He's always there, but when you become, like when you jump on YouTube and you start looking for like like miracle videos and people doing stuff, all of a sudden you're like there for four hours because you're watching just like people just Jesus is healing people. It's the same thing. You just stop and relax and just become more aware of what Jesus is doing and it becomes a whole lot of fun. Key number two. Discover and trust what you know. How how well do you know What you know. I know it sounds like a stupid question, but there will be a time when you're taken into situations and it feels wrong, feels uncomfortable, pressures on. But David did it. David knew who God was, he knew God, and he trusted that. He trusted what he knew. And it says in chapter 8, 1 Samuel, Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on, on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I can't go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took him off, then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from a stream, put them in his pouch or his shepherd's bag with a sling in his hand and approached the Philistines. There will be times when you need to trust God. And, you, and there will be times when you need to trust what God has shown you through victories through things that you've seen. The problem is, sometimes as believers, we like to like put people in check. Is that really right? Did you hear God? That doesn't sound right to me. Then the enemy tries to get you. Do you really believe what you believe? And that's even worse. Once you start doubting yourself, then then the train's off the rails. Your faith has nothing to do with you, but everything with Jesus. David knew who God was. He trusted that. He trusted it. There will be times when you'll be taken to some sketchy situations, and you'll need to trust what you know. However, however, how no matter how simple it is, you'll need to trust it. My favorite one is this: in Mark chapter eight, verse twenty-three, Jesus spits on a blind man to heal him. Imagine doing that you got to trust what you know, because that's going, to lose, that's going to look very weird, very weird. People are going to judge you, People, all sorts of stuff is going to happen. But if you don't believe what you believe, and you don't know what you know, and you don't do what you know, and you don't operate out of what you know, it becomes interesting because when you trust what you trust and you know what you know man becomes man is taken out of the equation fear of man is no longer a problem because you're connected with him you've done the miles you've learned what you've know you've experienced what you know you've practiced what you know you've discovered and what you know is not always the norm It's not always the norm. Sometimes God's going to get you to do some out there things. Go against the grain of what church should be like. Maybe God will one day just get you to go into a church and smile because no one smiles in that place. Laugh. Do something. I don't know. But if no one's laughing, you just start laughing. I'll make it spiritual. In the Holy Spirit... It's going to look weird to release joy. We're coming into times where Jesus is going to prompt us to do things to better the kingdom. To show his kingdom. Where is your confidence going to be? In him? Or in your own ability? Hopefully not the latter. So the more you get to know Jesus, the more you get to know his character. Not what he's capable of. Because as believers, we look for outcomes. When we do what we do, we trust what we know, we filter it through an outcome. I lay hands on the sick, pray for someone, we automatically scale it by, did they get healed? Where instead, we should scale it as, we just brought heaven to earth. get captivated by the character of Jesus and outcomes won't matter because you're so in love with him, you know who he is and what he's capable of. So you intend go harder at it because you fall more in love with him. So doing becomes a lot easier because you've discovered what you know about the Father, not about what he does, or who he is. Yeah. Because as soon as we start chasing about what God does, well, when you don't get that miracle, is God good? Does he, is, he, is he true to his word? Or Jesus says, I oh, lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Well, we've all prayed for people and they haven't recovered. Fact is that that is truth. The Bible's not talking about an outcome. It's talking about the character of Jesus. I believe the Bible doesn't outcomes is a process. It's a process. So like I can't actually, you can't actually say why. Like if someone said, How do you be successful? How do you become successful? I can't tell you why, how. But I can tell you you start the process of it and you'll find out. There's some things in that middle part that you have to do in order to get there. But if you choose not to do them, well, who knows? You might win a lotto, but freak. Everyone wants to win a lotto. So we have to know what we know. We have to discover Jesus. And as you discover Jesus, you discover things about you and what you know. Like when I was writing this, I've never written so many notes in my life. And I was like, oh, I know some stuff. <laughs> but here's what we do, right? This is, I believe, why the, why the, the modern-day church, the first world churches, there's so much inconsistency with, I guess, heaven invading earth, is my relationship with everyone in this room varies, Right? Some of you guys know me. Some of, us have taken, uh, some of us have taken time out to hang out, get to know him on, on a personal level. And some of us, our relationship doesn't go past a Wednesday and a Sunday. And that's okay. It's just not a downer or anything like that. We treat Jesus like that sometimes. Our relationship with Jesus can't just be, we have to know him. It can't just be on a Sunday or Wednesday or church meeting because if that's how we do it, we're going to be questioning till the cows come home because we don't know him. We don't know him because There's a reason why we call it relationship, not religion. Because Jesus is inviting us in to a relationship with him. And we want to build, just like how I would love to have a really close relationship with everyone. I know I can't, but with Jesus I can. And you know what the good thing about building a solid relationship with Jesus is? There's no human nonsense. Man, all my notes are messed up. <laughs> oh, well, freestyle. Um, we don't get that. Jesus, we, we, friends, we have to discover more of the King. Because that's where it lies. Because being obsessed with testimony flows into discovering who God is. It takes you into that journey. It takes you into that place of expanding your knowledge, expanding, learning how to use your tools that God has given you. And then you find that joy. You find that strength. Because when times are rough, then you're, you're not then expressing your own emotion, but you're expressing the king's emotion. You get to experience that what love, joy, peace, righteousness, all that stuff. Like You get to experience that and let it flow out of you. I don't think Jesus ever intended us to feel like Jesus is far away. I think that buck stops with us. We put ceilings on our own heads when it comes to our relationship with Jesus at times. Jesus doesn't put it there. We do because we we treat god through our own human emotional stance like if i do this god like a human like a human friendship or something like that is like if i call k then i expect k to call me now that old chestnut where god's not god is always talking like god doesn't stop talking it's like God's like, uh, buddy, it's the other way around. Like, I've called you already, the phone's still going. How about you continue to talk? That's how I think God conveys with us. Like, He's got a constant 24-7 call with you happening, and we choose to put the phone down. Where we can actually just strap it to strap it to our heads and just become comfortable with talking to him on a on a basis. It's not like spending three hours in prayer, but just on a daily basis incorporating talking to the Father. Because that's how you discover who He is. Everything about Jesus is a choice. You chose to put your hand up in Sunday school or wherever you did to accept Christ. You might have had a prompting but you still chose to say yes. Jesus has given you everything, but it's up to you to discover that majesty that he has. No one else is going to do that for you because he's sitting here, buddy, I've given you everything. Now it's what you're going to do with it. And when you do discover that, nobody can take that away from you. Because that is what you have discovered. That becomes part of your testimony fire because you discovered it. You've discovered how good God is. And you carry that into into the future, into everything that you do. And no one can question you because you've discovered it. And you're confident in it because you've discovered it. But if I'm telling you something about God and then someone questions it and then you just repeat what I've said and they come back at you at something. If that's not what you've discovered, you're going to stumble and it's going to feel like your words are falling at your feet because you're not confident in what you're saying. But if I, like, you know, we do it all the time. Like, churches are full with Bible libraries that turn up every Sunday and just consume words and do nothing with them. And then you wonder why Christians fall away. Because they don't discover the word for themselves. They don't discover the king for themselves. So go on that journey. Discover and trust what you know. Because you went on that journey for a purpose, for a reason. Because when if you combine the obsessed with your testimony and trusting and discovering and trusting what you know, facing giants then becomes a little bit easier. When we're standing together for healing or standing together for anything, it becomes a lot easier. It's not like, oh, is this going to happen? Isn't it going to happen? Who knows? Instead of, we've discovered the goodness of God. God says this. I've learned this. I've seen this. I've I've spent three months just focusing on the goodness of God. Of course he's going to do it. Completely different when we actually apply the tools that we, A, hear in church, and B, read in the Bible. Because we become doers. Like doing doesn't mean you just have to go out on the street. Doing you can do in your individual life too. Like it's almost like one-on-one personal training and group training. Like they both work but one you have more of a service because I'm you know you got one on one but in the group it's like oh yeah anything could happen so trust what you know and number 3 knowing your authority no good facing giants or passive sometimes what is needed is some good old holy aggression sometimes like in some cases the enemy is literally trying to kill people literally could you imagine if David walked up to Goliath And said, Goliath, could you find it in your heart to stop hurling abuse at us like it hurts our feelings? And it would make it a lot easier if you and the Philistines could just, you know, go find someone else to attack and we wouldn't be so scared anymore. Heck no! David was like, right, let's read about how David did business. Chapter 41. Meanwhile, the Philistines, with his shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked at, he looked, he looked David over and saw that he was a little more than a boy, glowing with health and glowing with health and handsome. And he despised him. He said to David, "Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks?" And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. "Come here," he said and I'll give you, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. David said to the Philistine, You come against me with the sword and the spear and a javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, who, have def- who you have defied this day. The Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that that it is not by the sword or spear that the Lord says, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. As the Philistines moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphant over the Philistine with a sling and a stone without a sword in his hand and he struck down the Philistine and killed him. David ran and stood over him. He, looked hold, he took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from his sheath. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword, When the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and ran. Friends, sometimes we need to cut heads off. It sounds brutal. I apologize. But you have to know your authority. Jesus has given us everything. Right? Right? If I'm honest, I'm not opposed to yelling at times at the enemy. But out of a place of position, like not like if someone had to hear me yelling, they're going to call Greylands and go, there's a crazy guy here, you need to come pick him up. Like, but sometimes you just need to go after what you want to see. And it looks different for people. It's not all the same. Every situation is different. There's no formula because it's personal. But what happens is Jesus will prompt, you, like, prompt us to do things and some people take it a, ne- a step further and then they start making doctrines out of what was meant to be personal. Personal. When we have a library of testimony, when we discover and know what we know, you discover God in the moment. That when you face the giant, you know your authority because you've put time in. You've put time into your life and knowing who God is. And none of this, I'm whatever. Like, if you're thinking of, if I, if if what you're hearing is works, that's not what I'm saying. At all, because you're operating as a, as a, you're operating in a position of sonship. But if I sat in my room for 35 years, I would never know my father. Like my biological father, never know him. And if he sat in his room for. 65 years, he would never know me. So we have to then come together at some point and build a relationship. Just because he's my biological dad doesn't guarantee me a relationship. It guarantees me me a biological dad, but that's it. The pre-work Jesus did for you was on the cross. Same thing with a biological dad. The pre-work he puts in is in those early 12 years, 11. He sets a foundation so you know who your biological dad is. Same with Christ. He died on a cross so you you would know how much he loves you. So when the time came, you would trust him. Same thing with the biological dad. He puts time into it and you put time in together so when things on this earth go wrong and you have to go and talk to your dad, you know he loves you and he's going to help you. Same thing here. The position of sonship, authority, I can just walk in and talk to my dad. Same thing with Jesus. When I'm struggling, I can just walk in and help ask for help because of the work we've put in. The work we put in creates confidence. Freely he has given, freely we receive, yes, amen, but we also have to give. Relationship, I, in, my, in my opinion, relationship is never one way. It's always two ways. So you learn your authority in the moment of Jesus, in the moments of Jesus when you're walking through. Like... If it wasn't for him, we wouldn't have anything. So I want you to understand, I want you to grab a hold of this, is that your authority is sonship. I'm going to give you something, I'm going to come back to it. You've been authorized and deputized by Jesus to do the work of Jesus on earth. All right. If you jump over, if you've got time, I've got it here. Colossians 1, chapter 16. Actually, chapter 6. Chapter 6, sorry. Oh, this is gone. Oh, it's 16. My bad. Yep, it is 16. For in him all things were created He might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all His fullness dwell in Him and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through His blood shed on the cross. Friends, we are tied up. We are tied up. with God we're wrapped in his love we are in him we are wrapped up in the almighty king the place we fight pray, worship, read the word interact with each other, pray for the sick, is all wrapped up in the everlasting, pleasing love of Jesus. That's where we get our authority from. And when you do the other two keys, imagine what life looks like. Because you're on this constant journey of discovery. When we live life from here, coming from the place, you know the phrase, no weapon formed against us shall prosper. You better believe it. Because when we stand as a body or individually, when we operate out of being wrapped in His love, wrapped in the sacrifice of His blood, and you're discovering who God is, and you're constantly focusing on the goodness of God, your mind transforms, your body will transform, everything you do on earth will transform, because it is all God-centered. All God-centered. And when you are facing a giant, when the time comes, or if it comes, whatever, It feels like this. When you're watching a movie, right, like it's kinda of like a war movie or something similar. Live zone threat, desperate situations. Somebody will go to the radio guy, you know, it's all going pear shape. We need air support. We need air support. We need air support. So the guy jumps on the radio and he gives off these coordinates and he's calling, they're you know, like, Yep, we're sending it. And then you just hear someone say, bring the rain. And then you know it's on. Like, there's going to be bombs everywhere. The enemy's going to die. And, like, you're you're in the stressful, like, as you're watching the show, you're feeling stressed, you're anxious. What's going to happen? And then, yeah, you hear those special words, bring the rain. And it's just like, ah, I know it's going to be cool now. Like, there's a special moment coming, bombs and all sorts of stuff. Um... Yeah, you can say bombs in church. I know, it's, you know, here we go. Um, like, it's the same with the anointing. Right? It's the same with the power of God. There's power in our words. And if we don't use our words, we won't know what kind of power we got. We have the same power to bring the heaven of or what? We have the same power to bring heaven on earth by just opening our mouth. If we don't, we don't release it. We don't release it. And the only reason why we don't is because we don't know how to have fun with it. Because we make it this like outcomes based school thing like, oh I'm gonna pray for the sick and hopefully I pass, like hopefully I see the miracle. I've done that at times. Not gonna lie. But when we treat it like, oh my goodness, I get to show someone the love of Jesus and it doesn't matter about how it comes then. Because then we're functioning out of relationship with Him, right? We're functioning out of what we have discovered. And then we want to pass that on. Because we've done some work with it. We've had fun with it. Because that's what a relationship is. It's supposed to be fun. And the only relationship that's always fun is Jesus. Humans, not so much. So we have to, we have to learn how to have fun in the kingdom. We have to learn how to have fun in church. We have to have, learn how to have fun in our own lives. And Jesus is all about fun. He's a happy God. But there's so many Christians walking around like sacks of lemons with legs because we don't know, we've don't we lost the fun of Jesus. We've lost our authority. You could almost say you've lost your authority because when you sit under authority, you know all things in Christ. So there's joy, there's happiness, there's strength. So we take our focus off of that and then we become big sacks of lemons and we walk around like, woe is me, life is tough. And life is tough. Don't get me wrong, but inside Jesus, there's joy in life. There's strength in life. There's fun in life. There's life in life. We're not men and women that know nothing. We're not, we're not struck down. We're not on the floor trying to like take our last breath because life is so tough. That's not it at all. We are wrapped up in Jesus, the highest name above all names, the name that spoke life into being, the name that rose from the dead, the name of Jesus. That's who we are wrapped up in. And when we get caught up on the concept, when we get, t- when we get caught up in the whirlwind of who he is and we discover who he is, life shifts. I'm not saying you won't face giants, because I've called this facing giants. But when you face those giants, you're in confidence. You have confidence. You know that, just like David, he had confidence in his ability in God to run towards the battle, fling the stone, crack him on the head, cut his head off, because why? He was a son. He had confidence. And he didn't plan What if I don't die? Well, I mean, what if I don't kill him? He knew exactly the truth of God delivering. He says it. God God will deliver me from this Philistine. So he spoke it. It was his testimony. We are authorized and deputized agents of Jesus. Through him... We are the highest authority on on earth. We have the highest authority on earth. Friends, and if we don't live in that, we're going to be these little ants walking around on earth because we don't know that we are royalty. When you walk into a room, you control the atmosphere because you have the living Christ in you. You're not this little person anymore. You've been raised with Christ. You're kings and queens. When we learn to live as kings and queens through Jesus, our whole atmosphere around us changes. We are atmosphere changes and if we don't have revelation of that, we will never live in that. So I challenge you. What is your highest priority? Paying your bills or discovering the king? Because I can tell you this, even when you pay a bill, you're not happy because you've just spent a lot of money. But you'll always find joy in the king. Let the Holy Spirit renew our minds to our true ad- true identity and authority that we have in Him. The only thing we should be focusing on in anything that we do is Him, not outcomes. But him, because we are conditioned for outcomes. You go to work and you expect to get paid. You switch the light, you switch, the light switch on, and you expect to see power. Turn your car key and you expect your car to turn over and start. It doesn't happen all the time, but <laughs> most of the time it does. We are force-fed, outcome-based lifestyles. But we need to be the light in the world and become more focused on Jesus. And as we do that, Jesus will become the outcome of whatever we do. So to recap... I challenge you to become obsessed with testimony. Our testimony determines our focus. The more we confess the goodness of God, then the more of his goodness we become aware of. Discover and trust what you know. Discovering the majesty of Jesus on a daily basis. We must be confident in what we know even when it appears abnormal. Knowing you are wrapped, key three, knowing your authority, knowing who we are wrapped into and having revelation of being agents of Jesus. You are and always will be his favourite. And when we operate out of that, heaven on earth, is always released. Amen? That's all I have. I'm going to pray. Father, I thank you that you are good. That you are fun. Father, I pray, Lord, that we would have fun with you on a daily basis. That we wouldn't see spending time with you as a, as a task or anything like that, but Lord, just to get to know you because you are everything. You are the breath we breathe. And I pray, Lord, that, we, that this week for each and every one of us and everyone in Freedom Life, Lord, that we would discover something life-changing this week about you. And Lord, that we would learn to grow testimony fires like this place on a Sunday would be mental with the glory of God because of the testimonies of what we are sharing about what you are doing throughout the week. And Lord, that we would be confident, that that the revelation of confidence in you, that we are wrapped up in you, will go deep and deeper and deeper and deeper. In Jesus' name, amen.